Hello. Before we get into this very special episode in which you'll join me in conducting a paranormal investigation at the Bose Railway Museum, I wanted to make you aware that over on the Patreon is an extended version containing additional audio from the night. This version of the Bose Railway Museum investigation is available right now, and it's over four hours long in duration. It's available on the £3 tier and above, and what's more, to celebrate spooky season being just around the corner, there's now a seven-day no-strings trial available on the £3 tier. So you could sign up and hear this very special episode and all of the other monthly Patreon specials, which include the National Railway Museum, Haggerston Castle Holiday Park, Dalhousie Castle Hotel, and York Dungeon. You can get access right now at patreon.com forward slash Pod. And with that, on with the show. I'm Rob Kirkup, welcome to How Haunted, a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the scariest places on the planet. In episode 57, as we enter October, the scariest month of the year, we continue our very special series of episodes in which you'll join me as part of a paranormal investigation I conducted at a former railway in August of this year, 2023. Not only will I tell you every aspect of what happened throughout that night, but you'll hear audio from the night itself, so you can hear what happened exactly as it happened. Tonight, in the second of a three-part special, let's return to Sunderland and ask, just how haunted is the Bose Railway Museum? Listener discretion is advised, as this episode features real audio from an actual paranormal investigation where anything could happen. Listen on, if you dare. With our break over, and Liam and Bronwyn leading the Spirit Stoker guys off to their next location, we joined the Spiritus group standing outside awaiting word of where we would be heading next. John Rich and I chatted about how much of a shame it was that Tom couldn't make it, and our own personal highlights of the night so far. We walked along the train track avoiding puddles, making our way towards a little raised cabin called the Inkline Break Cabin, or Brakeman's Hut. Elaine explained that somebody would have been stationed here watching along the train track. It has been restored in recent years and visitors can now go inside. She told us a story about a volunteer who brought their three-year-old son who was obsessed with trains. They were in the cabin and heard a train coming down the track. They stepped outside of the cabin and the sound stopped completely. They went back inside and they could hear it again. This cabin can only accommodate six people at a time so we took turns to go inside for a look around. It was bitterly cold outside, so I welcomed the brief respite from the cold night's air that it offered. But after only a couple of minutes inside the empty building, John and I carefully made our way back down the stairs to give others a chance to go in and take a look around. As we stood waiting outside, I marvelled at the sky above us. It was an unbelievably clear night, and we were rewarded with one of the most incredible sights, an enormous blanket of stars as far as the eyes could see. John pointed out Jupiter, I wondered to myself where the girl who listens to Brian Cox was, as she might have been able to point out some of the constellations that I don't know. Which is all of them, with the exception of Orion's belt and the plough. The break cabin, 
In, in its day, you would be able to see fleet wagons moving down to the states. Okay. And um, Amanda had a story from there. Yeah. Didn't she about what she heard? Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. In there. Um, yeah. Well, she had. She was doing a tour. There was a lady and a, a three-year-old son here. And our three. And Amanda says he was three, going on thirty-three. You know, he, he loved his train. He was really into it. Uh -huh. And they heard a noise. What? What Amanda thought the wagons were moving. Uh -huh. So she came outside and she couldn't hear it outside and nothing was moving but she heard it in there. Okay. It was weird. So it was like the sound of movement on so, the lines. Yeah, she, yeah, she thought something was, one of those wagons were moving. Right, I right yeah, we'll just turn that off on me. Turn that off. Before too long we were on the move again. Everyone was in high spirits and it was clear that everybody was having a good night. It had been relatively quiet so far. So I wondered how many people would still be smiling and laughing after we spent some time in our next location, the wagon shop. Elaine welcomed us all inside. It was a huge workshop which was home to two long rows of train carriages. As people excitedly began to explore this new space, Elaine warned people to be careful. We all took some time with the lights on to explore this vast area. The building which is now the wagon shop was built in 1854 and it was lovingly restored back in 2014 thanks largely to an English Heritage Grant. It would have originally been a coal bunker for the adjoining Springwell Colliery, which, as Wayne points out, would have once been situated where the grassy areas outside of the building now are. It would have stored an incredible 2,000 tonnes of coal, but following the closure of the mine, it was repurposed as a workshop in 1932 to maintain the railway's wagon fleet, at which time it would have had around 25 men employed here, repairing five wagons every two weeks. Wayne, keen to get our vigil underway, asked people to find themselves a quiet place to sit or stand. Different, different stages, different like groups. Not, not the lights off now. Different corners. 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 Different and we're in like like a room full of old trains. Yeah, I just recognised it from this building. Northeastern Railway, Stripey, number 1111. It's a Bose Stripes wagon. Wagons were built by the Northeastern Railway or the Stockton and Darlington Railway, standard design from 1860 onwards. Let's go and get amongst it. John Rich and I climbed on board a carriage which was second from the back left row as you would look at it walking into the building. It was a tricky climb to get up into it and I followed Rich. I didn't realise until I got inside but there was already a couple in there and thankfully they were fine with us joining them. It was quite pleasant. It had bench seats on both sides. Rich and I sat down in one. I had to be careful as there were a few cat balls spread out on the seats. John joined us and he sat down to my right and I had Rich sat on my left. Does anybody want, you, you guys want to go this way? Yeah. Go on, Rich, get in there. If I get up there, I'll look at my phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it you meant to go up? Then you've got to, yeah, you've got to come down back to Jeff. You're getting that one there. Is there seats in it, ladies? Are you sitting down, Rich? Yeah. Is there loads of space? Yeah, there's loads of space. Oh, I'm going to join you. Just to get something before the lights go on the top. Hello. 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 Oh, 
touching it. I watched, there, yeah. I watched okay. the ball as well. John, you're going to have to go and stand at the end, but there's no seats for you, mate. Watch the, uh, the cat ball. Do you want to sit on sit the end there? There was lots of excited chatter, but with everybody in position, Wayne, one of the few people not on board a train carriage, or sat on one of the old railway sleepers around the perimeter of the room, asked for quiet, and the group quickly obliged. The lights went off, and Wayne asked for anybody with us to make themselves known his voice echoing in the substantial space. There were some bangs and other noises from somewhere within the room, but with so many people spread out, it was difficult to establish if this sound was one of us, or whether it was something else. There was a light tapping from within our carriage. It was barely audible to us, so certainly not something that anybody else would have heard. The lady opposite quietly whispered to her partner, asking if it was him. It had been. It was the possibly nervous shaking of his leg.
after 10 minutes of inactivity and to give us another potential way of somebody being there with us making their presence known, Wayne turned on a spirit box. This is a device that you may have heard the team and I use on previous Patreon special episodes. It used to be referred to as a Frank's box, named for Frank Sumpton who invented the gadget back in 2002. The idea being a modified radio that scans through AM frequencies quickly. Over the last 20 years, these devices have become a common part of the Ghost Hunter's arsenal. However, there has been a misconception that Frank created these so the spirits could use the white noise, the empty noise between radio frequencies, to communicate with us. However, in an interview that he did for the website scottish-paranormal.co.uk in June of this year, 2023, he actually clarifies what he had in mind when he created the device. The box is one method of supplying what is known as raw audio, referring to bits of human speech and other noise. Forget white noise. Both human and non-human entities rearrange this raw audio to create their voices. With the spirit box positioned in a table right in the centre of the room, just to the left of the front of our carriage, he asked aloud again. There was some commotion in a carriage in the other row, the furthest carriage in the back corner. They thought they'd seen a shadow move across the back wall. Can you show, Shadow? Tell us to get out. If you don't want to sing. If you want to talk to me. Talk to us now. We see this device up on the table. Some shadow on the room. And um, the lights around the Yeah. We sat quietly in our carriage. The five of us sat in total silence. I was comfortable, despite still being cold. I didn't feel anything about this building to fear. I could have quite easily sat here all night. But was I just feeling this way because rather than the small group I'm used to being in, typically this would have been John, Rich, Tom and I. We were in a large group. And was I feeling that there was safety in numbers? 
As I considered this, Wayne continued his attempts to stir up the spirits of the wagon shop, and it appeared that potentially we'd had a breakthrough when there was a loud noise that nobody took the blame for, which sounded like it could have been the squeak of a stiff metal wheel turning. It then sounded again loud and clear. Listening back to the recording, there's also some quiet, rather unnerving chuckling around the same time too. There's no dialogue which accompanies it to explain it away as somebody on another carriage having a quiet conversation, but I'm fairly certain that it will have just been somebody on a carriage next to ours. With the noisy spirit box switched on, Wayne continued to speak into the darkness. By now he wasn't the only person stood at the table upon which the box was positioned. Robert joined him, as had a couple of others from nearby carriages who wanted to be more involved. A couple of additional gadgets were now on the table. There were two identical devices with LEDs on them. The default was one green LED lit up, but if somebody got close to it more LEDs on a scale would light up. Robert also brought an air pressure sensor over. He demonstrated how this would work by breathing onto it. It was illuminated green, but would go to amber or red, depending on the amount of air pressure being applied to it. Richard left the confines of our carriage and was now stood outside the door leaning on the metal rail of our train looking down onto the group gathered around the table, perhaps only 10 feet or 3 metres away from us. I looked at the time, it was now after 11 and it was freezing cold. I deeply regretted wearing shorts and only putting a hoodie in my bag as opposed to bringing a woolly hat and a coat. I usually overpacked for events such as this one, but my misplaced trust in the British summertime was my downfall tonight. John creeped up behind me making me jump. The couple had now left our carriage. They had got off the other end, leaving just Rich, John and I on this train. John suddenly commented how he just heard footsteps behind him, clear as day, definitely footsteps, in the carriage he'd just vacated. But there's no one in there, I said. I know, he replied. What did you hear? Just sounded like some footsteps or someone moved inside. No, there's nobody in there now. No, that's the point. Mm. 
don't sit in there. Hello? I'm gonna go sit in there if I can get past. I opted to go back inside. If John had heard what he thought was footsteps, then it would be a mistake not to sit quietly in the carriage, leaving Wayne and the team to try and continue to stir up some activity and to focus on what was happening around me within this space. I sat there alone in silence, listening, looking. There were still three cat balls on the seat around me. I whispered, could you touch one of these balls? If you do, they light up and I'll know you're here with me. I'm not afraid. I mean you no harm. I just want to know you're here. Nothing happened. After about five minutes, Rich came back in and sat opposite me. I took the opportunity to ask him how he felt about the wagon shop. What's up? You can do a little vigil. Yeah. So how are you finding it so far? Oh, a little bit flat. A little bit flat. Yeah. yeah. John said he heard he thought he heard footsteps and there's the yeah, when we were all out there. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Because I mean these these carriages have got just as much history to this. Yes. The building. Yeah. In this building, I asked the woman, I don't know if you heard, I said, what was this you used for? Mm-hmm. She said it was where the, the coal was stored. Or yeah. What about you? I'm quite happy going to sleep in here. I think it's very quiet. I know, you've not sleeping here before. I think there's a real challenge with them. Would be in people being in carriages and trying to, to understand where sounds have come from and yeah. I think it's, it's tricky so it's interesting that the focus of this part kind of changed a little bit from ask for something to happen throughout the entire place yeah. to now it's focused specifically around this little table that they're still around yeah. saying can, can you make this move and I get it I do I get it I think it's impossible to have a controlled environment as yeah. big as this room with so many people in it, yeah. in so many different things. And somebody coughs and everybody's like, what was that? Yeah. Somebody bangs something and everyone's like, what was that? Yeah. You know, um, there's been a few things like somebody sent the sort of shadow down the bottom. Mm-hmm. With the spirit box now turned off, the experiment being conducted at the table changed. Before they could start this, however, there was a sound above us. The sound of something hitting the roof. None of us were sure what it was. Wayne and Rob asked out for anybody with them to speak or make some kind of sound. At the same time, they were recording audio into a digital voice recorder, much like the one I was recording audio on at the same time. Then they'd play it back every minute or two to see if there was anything unusual on it. They thought they got something out of the ordinary on the very first recording, but they couldn't quite work out what it was, if anything. Rob asks aloud for anybody with us to answer some questions. The room was silent as he spoke. He then listened back to the audio, but there was nothing on it other than his own voice. Wayne made the call, to bring our time to a close here, as it was just so quiet. Rich, John and I carefully climbed down from our train, and as we did, we almost bumped into Wayne, talking to the person who thought they'd saw a shadow moving earlier. Another person came over to say that him and his daughter were sat on a railway sleeper and it had been vibrating and moving. Okay. 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 Okay.
Was anybody involved in any accidents that happened on this site or near this site? Are you still underneath the ground here in the colliery? What year is it where you are now? about half past 11 there. later back on um, the three of us just sat in the carriage really uh, I need to get off uh, down. Oh, get down did you go down the other side or the back or something uh, so yeah so it's, we're moving on to the, another area it's a uh, we also went out the back and I was like, oh, like no, no, you walked down, we saw the shadow clearance no, out the I've, I've never moved from here. It looked like one of you was walking straight down the middle towards the wall because you could see the other shadow. We didn't leave the carriage. Yeah, we were in that carriage there. This was sitting on those slavers down there, they were rocking. Yeah, they were That's rocking. That's weird, man. No, we were still. <laughs> 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 you can fix anything with duct tape. Yep. We're radioed through to Liam and the Spirit Stalkers guys to find out where they were. 
and they were in the only building that we'd not yet investigated. Seizing this opportunity, Rob suggested that we return to the joiner's workshop, but swap locations. With us going upstairs and Wayne leading the group into the area, where we appear to have had some actual success earlier on. Three dolls. Statue sitting down. The, ma- the mannequins in the cottage in the other room. That's where we would have gone next. Right. That's the one building we haven't done yet. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why do, we, do you know where the, the joint shop is? You know where you. If we go to the upstairs bit where they were, we'll uh, see if we can recreate that night. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we don't know. Right, come on, guys. Right, yes. I was just going to say, I thought I saw somebody move behind you guys. <laughs> Come on. Which is the best way to go over there? Tired now. I'm normally in bed by this time on a Saturday night these days. Thank you. Step here. Thank you. I'd have just fallen over it, so I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we'll bring part two of our Bose Railway Museum investigation specials to a close. But next week, when we return to Bose Railway Museum for a final time, You'll hear what happened when we returned to the joiner's workshop and when we got to the final building of the night, a building known as the Underground. But don't forget, if you want to hear the entirety of the Bose Railway Museum investigation in one extended version, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash howhauntedpod and get access right now. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at HowHauntedPod or over on Instagram at HowHauntedPod where you will see photos galore relating to our investigation at the Bose Railway Museum. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com or you can email me at rob at how-haunted.com If you'd like to support the show, you could sign up to one of three Patreon tiers. They start at as little as £1.00. There's currently a seven-day free trial for anybody signing up to the £3 tier. On the £3 tier, you get early ad-free access to all episodes, and a monthly bonus episode where I conduct a paranormal investigation. The September episode was an extended version of our Bose Railway Museum adventure, just in time for spooky season, and this epic, full-length episode includes almost three and a half hours of actual audio from the night. Speaking of Halloween, I have something very special lined up for later this month, just for Patreon supporters, perfect for the scariest time of the year. You can also get yourself some exclusive How Haunted merch, including a mug and a t-shirt. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash howhauntedpod. If you'd like to support the show but you aren't a fan of Patreon, why not donate £2 at buymeacoffee.com forward slash howhauntedpod. All the information and links are in this podcast episode description. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please consider leaving a review on your podcast provider of choice. It really does help other people to find How Haunted. Next time out, our investigation at the Bose Railway Museum concludes, with us returning to the joiner's workshop, and then we dare to venture into the underground, the haunt of Norman, and a building with a reputation for poltergeist activity. Join me next week to find out what happens in the third and final part of our Bose Railway Museum investigation special. 
Thank you so much for accompanying me for our paranormal adventures once again. Stay safe, and join me next time, when we will once again ask the question, How Haunted? Yeah, Rich saying he's learning to fly. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to get my fly oh. through the Bermuda Triangle. 